to What Lies Beneath, a podcast for anything and everything risk. If you're looking to learn the ins and outs of protecting your company from risk management professionals, this is a podcast for you. Let's get into the show. My name is Pete Cobbs. I'm the Executive Vice President of Risk Recon. We are a MasterCard company. And today I'm very excited to be joined by Manny Rios. For those that don't know Manny, uh, he leads the third-party risk management team for Fidelity Investments, and he's been in the financial services industry for over 10 years. In addition to that, not only has Manny been in financial services, but he's also been in technology risk management for over 15 years. Uh, Manny has a very strong skill set, as you'll learn today, in audit, IT strategy, and risk management, and he received his MBA from UT Dallas. The reason that I'm lucky enough to to talk with Manny today is Manny was a Lighthouse customer for Risk Recon years ago. And prior to acquiring Risk Recon, he was looking for a way to improve the management of his cyber risk for his organization. Things that were problematic at the time were the number of exceptions that they dealt with. They were looking for an improved way to alert and understand their security posture among their vendors, and also to improve the vendor collaboration experience. Ultimately, Manny was looking for a way to reduce the TCO around uh, continuous monitoring. So I'm very excited, Manny, to have you join us today. Um, and I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. And, and really what I want to learn more about is uh, to understand your experience as an expert in this field during the most unusual of years here in 2020. And I think the first question that I would love to have you answer for our audience today is, Given the unusual nature of 2020, how has your internal and external productivity within your vendor supply chain held up? So I'd love to hear more about that from you. Absolutely. Thank you. And thanks, Peter. I appreciate the, the introduction. So it's actually very well, both internally and externally. We, we've been, um, there were things that were in place that helped us be prepared for this very unusual situation, right? Uh, internally, we had very you know, we're a very geographically dispersed company. So we already had a lot of processes to ensure that there's a cohesiveness and that preparedness for, for events, with strong business continuity, resiliency teams, uh, exercises, protocols that were put in place. Externally, we always, you know, we're in a very regulated environment. So we had a very strong supply chain risk management program in place, even before we started talking about COVID. Uh, we wanted to understand from ever since I've been involved, who are the most critical suppliers? Who are the suppliers that support those critical functions that must be up and running? And again, we've been very lucky, um, just like everyone else, there's been a period of adjustment, uh, migration, but both internally and externally supply chains have, uh, have stayed in place and we stay productive in serving our clients. Well, I, what's interesting about that is um, I know we're not through this yet. And uh, I know uh, when we talk to uh, a lot of organizations today, people are trying to figure out how long this could potentially last. But you just alluded to something that I thought was interesting. And it sounds like you had some processes in place pre-pandemic to help you navigate through this crisis. Would you mind sharing some of the, I guess, foundational components within your readiness plan to deal with this? Sure. Um when it comes to supply chain, uh, I think the number one requirement is to just understand the risk associated with the supply chain. Who are those, again, who are those vendors uh, that support your critical functions? Understand their, you know, ensure that you, you understand their own plans, their own readiness for an event like this. You do that through assessments, you do that to continuous monitoring and governance. You can't do it over an entire supply chain, 
for obvious reasons. So you have to understand who are the top, who, who, who are the tip of the spear, right? Who are the top 10, 20% of suppliers that you need to support your critical functions, your client-facing functions, regulatory requirements, and you need to ensure that you have strong processes for, for governance of those. Uh, internally, you need your continuity plans and governance, you know, your tests, you need your, your redundancy plans, infrastructure, processes, people, right? And, and those are things, you know, we all got, we all get those uh, tests, you know, business continuity tests on the weekends. And for years, we, you know, we answer those tests and we're like, well, here we yep. go. Well, here we go. Exactly. Guess what proved to be very, very critical during that 2020? What exactly were those processes? And then I think the, the third component is infrastructure, right? You, you Obviously, you need a solid infrastructure. But the, the thing with infrastructure that's funny is I've been around for, for a long time in, in this industry, and I've seen the migration from 10-plus years ago when we conducted um, governance on internally hosted data centers and then slowly started migrating to colos, right? Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, that's a completely different risk profile. Very different, and, yep. And, and nowadays, we're seeing a huge and faster migration to cloud. And, mm-hmm. and again, that's a very completely different uh risk profile things you have to adjust your programs things like like how do you how do you do governance on on aws on microsoft uh, azure services it, it is it is a completely different uh, animal and uh, again i've seen all these you know, all the changes uh, in, in just in the last 10 years but infrastructure is, is again going back to, to the question uh the, the third key point and and when i say infrastructure i'm talking about supporting processes like patching uh, inventory, mm-hmm. continuous monitoring, not only of your own, but you know of, of those critical vendors. Um, AWS is probably a, a critical vendor to most companies nowadays, right? Right. How, how do you ensure readiness uh, when uh, a lot of you potentially your your critical infrastructure is hosted and, and maintained by AWS? Right. So those are the things that that we've been thinking for a while, and and we've been adjusting our programs, and I think. In a way, those those changes, that adjustment is what helped us be successful during this very strange uh, year. <laughs> yeah, and actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the next question and uh, I'm gonna key off what you just said. I'm gonna take it in a, in a direction and just thinking about your program. I guess maybe let me say it better from a risk management perspective. When you think about your program, has the pandemic brought an increased focus to new areas or new considerations? in managing your digital supply chain. And you just kind of talked about the rush to manage workloads outside of an organization and and the proliferation of the cloud. But are there any situations of particular interest that you think might be worthwhile to share with this audience that have emerged, you know, through the recent work that you and your team have done on the program side? Absolutely. Even before the pandemic, right? We we see that everywhere there's a huge push for for efficiency so it's mm-hmm. not only it's not only con- the, our own companies outsourcing capabilities and, and support to third parties and subcontractors but it's also subcontractors doing the same right so when i when i talked earlier about inventory that's really what i meant is uh, not only do you have to uh, ensure that your vendors have the right processes the right resiliency controls to, to support the, the critical business or the critical services they're providing to you. But you need to ensure that their own vendors are doing the same to them. Because otherwise, <laughs> right. it becomes a chain reaction. I uh, actually read a, a very interesting news piece uh, last month uh, about uh, the outage uh, at uh, CenturyLink and how mm. that actually impacted 
the, the world's internet traffic, there was a decrease of 3.5% uh, of overall internet traffic because the one vendor went down for a few hours, CenturyLink. And that's a perfect example of what I'm trying to illustrate here, right? It's, it's just, we may do assessments, we may have preparedness, uh, we may understand and have great relationships with vendor A, but the vendor A has their own uh, supply chain, right? So you need to understand and, and be comfortable with their own supply chain uh, assessment, readiness, and preparedness, because there could be a, a domino effect impact. Well, you know, you I, I've heard you speak a number of times, Manny, and I know one thing that you talk about is the concept of a risk surface. It's not just your infrastructure with someone else, but also the tangential infrastructure that they have in other places and what are the controls in place. And I, uh, I think you're right. What we're seeing is a proliferation in the market where it's not just who you do business with, but who they do business with. And maybe, maybe my next question, I'm going to flip the lens on you here, and we're going to talk more from an external perspective. And I think that's perfect timing given the setup that you just walked through. But as you think about the risk in your supply chains, and it's especially the extended supply chain that you just called out, have you increased the assessment focus or strategy in some of these new areas? Um, I think one thing that's very common this year is you think about remote to work technologies, you know, and how you assess them, um, you know, from a residual perspective. But what ideas or thoughts do you have or best practices that, that you would identify that you see today? Sure. So, so absolutely. You know, I think um, infrastructure and, and continuity are, are definitely top of mind, right? If, a, you know, what's the impact of a VPN appliance going down nowadays, right? It, it is it's much different than what it was seven months ago. Mm. Uh, subcontractors uh, in supply chains, like I've already, I think I already beat that, that horse. Um, <laughs> no, it, it's the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh parties, right? You need to, you know, it's, it's inventory uh, assessment and, and, and continuous governance, right? What, what does that mean? What are those processes? Uh, who is the target population? And then there's a piece here uh, that I, I tend to bundle into continuous monitoring, but it includes things like threat intelligence, you know, mm. uh, scanning, continuous scanning. I think that's become very, very important because I think there's an element of, of, of time here. We need to ensure that if, if there's a, an event, if there's an incident that affects someone down our supply chain, we need to react quickly here and, and try to get ahead of. So that's one of the things that we definitely change is, is, is there's more focus on, on things like continuous monitoring and maybe less focus on some of the things that we used to, um, that we used to pay a lot of attention to uh, that, that are, may not be as relevant with this uh, changing environment. So it's uh, more time on infrastructure, more time on, on supply chain and subcontractors, more time on uh, more time on continuous governance and continuous monitoring, and, and less time in, in other things that, while it's still important, I think we have other ways to get assurance on. You know, like like just top of mind, uh, physical controls are something that may not be as relevant. Yeah. Like you think about um, uh, again AWS, right? Um, I remember doing the, the doing the data center walkthrough years ago, and and looking at fire extinguishers, right, ensuring that they all, they've all been um, uh, serviced in the last twelve months. Well, that's a not as relevant in 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 a, yeah. in a cloud type um, hosting environment. But also, there's different ways to get assurance uh, indirectly. We have, you know, do, do we have the right uh, certifications and and yeah. and audit? you know, standard audit documents that, that give us indirect assurance that those things are taken care of. And that way we spend the, the, the 
the, the cycles and, and, and the resources that we used to spend in those areas are spending more of the leading areas that I mentioned earlier. Mm. Well, you just mentioned something and that is uh, kind of interesting. You're, you're talking about a physical security aspect of fire extinguishers and, and just, you know, um, maybe just another way to think about this problem is many financial services, all financial services companies have very strict physical security requirements. And when you think about 2020 and who is in the office and who's not, how have you guys rationalized that uh, with the third parties that you do business with? It, you know, one one organization. Um, I read an article the other day. It said, "How do you how do you um, work with a vendor that maybe you don't see or you're not able to go visit?" Um, and so I was just curious. Since you mentioned physical security, I think that's an interesting tie-in. What are your thoughts on that, Manny? Sure. We, we've actually tried to get very creative with that. We, and and we, 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 we've experimented with many things, uh, including having someone walk around uh, with a laptop uh, uh, that uh, obviously didn't work out as, as well as we thought. But, but it is, um, it is with, you know, through creative and, and indirect ways of getting the assurance, because that's what we're looking for. We're looking for assurance right. that there are processes, controls in place. So whether it's uh, a specialized and, and very targeted questionnaires, uh, mm. at, you know, at some of the, the, the physical or, or the traditional side visit controls. Mm-hmm. Or like I mentioned before, reliance on, on things like, like uh, standard order reports or certifications mm-hmm. that may cover the same controls. There's no need to ask the question twice, right? Um, right. And just, yeah, just, just being, being creative uh, and, and still getting the, the level of assurance that we're looking for without having to send someone. Uh, you're right, we're, we're not, you know, our assessments used to be about 25% uh, in right. person. And we're not able, obviously we're not able to do that. We have not been able to travel in the last uh, six months. So, so it's, it's just, how do we get the same level of assurance? How, how, do, we, how do we communicate the, the controls, the, the, the processes that are robust in, in our supply chain that are in place? without having to have someone in person. And, and I think we've been pretty successful, but it is, it is um, to answer your question, it is mainly through experimentation and being creative, uh, get, trying to get what we need. You know, it's interesting you say that. I mean, at, at the end of the day, you still have to have an assessment, you know, whether you have access or not. And that is a challenge for a lot of people. And I know there's a lot of innovation happening. And what's funny is uh, physical security maybe a bit de-emphasized historically is becoming more and more emphasized now uh, in the pandemic. So I guess uh, maybe a follow-on thought to that would be if you think about some of the recent adjustments that you've made, whether it's uh, internally within your program or externally as you look at key vendors, and and I liked your example of of, uh, CenturyLink, you know, about how critical some vendors are to your, your ability to operate. You know, what do you think some of the practices will exist beyond this crisis. Things that are will become a, a new best practice, or or uh, be layered into your current program. And and I guess you know, kind of a second thought around that is, in addition to the best practices, how do you look at the role of supply chain risk management now going forward? So I know it's a two two headed question, but I think. You know, we're we think that's the really important one that that we see going forward. So maybe maybe you could answer that for us. Sure, and let me so let me start with the second question. I think that the, yeah. the, the the role of supply chain risk management is proven to be critical. Mm-hmm. I think um, 
you know, you, you, you can have great processes internally, great people, but you could fail because of, of, of something going wrong down your supply chain and, and, and mm -hmm. potentially affect, affect the core of, of your business capabilities. Mm -hmm. So I think supply chain, supply chain risk management has become uh, critical. What are the things that, that we've changed that will probably uh, remain in place? So we, we, there was a big push uh, related to uh, automation, but automation in, um, in order to create efficiencies, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we, we're all stuck at home. I talked about being creative, but we're also we're trying, we're trying to be more efficient with the constraints that we have in place. So, we, you know, there's, there are things that we put in place, online access to, to, to questions, uh, automation, so we can, we can do more with, with the same resources as we, with, and with the constraints that we have in place today. I mentioned uh, continuous monitoring. I think that's something yeah. that, that is not, not, if anything, we're going to be doing more of because there's mm -hmm. a high uh, return on investment on continuous monitoring. Uh, staying in a way, you know, I like to say staying on top of the vendors in, in between assessments, right? I, I don't think that's, that, that's a practice that, that, that we are going to stop. If anything, we're going to do a lot more of, but even that uh, in, in itself, right, that, that's leveraging uh, uh, third parties, right, or, or brokers for some of these continuous monitoring uh, activities. So um, I think the, the, there's going to be even more focus on, on the governance piece of supply mm. chain management beyond the assessments before the stuff that, that, that uh, practitioners like me do uh, is understanding, hey, for those vendors that are critical or, or even extending that to, to, to lower uh, risk uh, tiers, perhaps some of the medium risk vendors, right, in a, in a work from home environment, how do we ensure that, that there, are, there is governance? How do we ensure that they are staying on top of their commitments to us when it comes to, to their own supply risk management, to their own continuity and, and resiliency? And, and obviously the, the, the traditional things like, like SLAs uh, and, and things like that. I think if I was a betting person, I would say there will be even more investment uh, throughout, throughout not only the industry, but the most companies in supply chain risk management. I think it's proving, like I mentioned earlier, it's proving to be critical uh, and it's, it's, it's paid dividends, right, when, when, when the time came. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and I think everybody is looking to increase the investment, to increase the visibility. I think that's the one thing we see in the industry that people struggle with. I thought maybe maybe for our next question, and I think this is to the heart of what most people are looking for, you know, if you were to sum up and say, you know, what are the lessons maybe you've learned throughout this year that you would share with a, with a peer in the industry that you think would be appropriate? I think everybody's kind of struggling with the same issue, some handling it better than others. But what if you kind of boil the lessons learned down from what you see today as a as an expert in this field? How would you characterize that? I think when I talk to my peers, I think the, the, the topic that I think is the most important is is just understanding your supply chain risk, right? Um, mm. Who are the top like it's five ten percent vendors that could mm -hmm. agent trouble, right? Mm -hmm. And then adjusting your program, whatever that means, adjusting your program to to ensure that you have you 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 have a level of comfort associated with with those five ten percent suppliers, right? The ones that okay. that are the most critical. I think I think that's everything else. It really depends on 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 a very 
solid inventory, a very solid understanding of the risk that your supply chain uh, poses to your company. I think that's the number one lesson. And, and it's interesting because it, that applies, obviously it's very important during the pandemic, but, but even before the pandemic, I think that would have mm -hmm. been the number one uh, advice that I would give someone uh, that's a practitioner in this space. And Manny, just uh, building on that, if you could identify potentially, where where do you think people have challenges? What are the what are the things this year that is you you talk to your peers and you look across the industry that you think people struggle with? I think getting started in in some of these things when you're already in in, in a pandemic, remote uh, work from home type environment is probably even more challenging. Yeah, these are things <laughs> right. that should right. be. It should should be in place under normal circumstances. Uh, a lot harder to put in place uh, working from home. I think those are the challenges that that I've encountered when when in conversations with some of my peers uh, uh -huh. in the industry and outside of the industry. But but just those things were important pre twenty twenty, and obviously they're proving to be critical in twenty twenty. Yeah, and I guess you just you just identified something kind of interesting. You know, building on that thought or idea. You know what are the resources? So I know you have a very big network, Manny, and I know you 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 do a lot of research on your own. But if you were to give advice to somebody who is in that pandemic spot today, and they're saying, "God, I don't even know where to to start looking for the resources," what are what are some suggestions you would have for them? Believe it or not, a lot of the regulatory, you know, whether it applies to a practitioner or not, depending on which industry they work on, uh, there's a lot of good content there. There's a, I, think, I think some of the the table. You know, I think some of the, the, the most critical components of a program are things that you encounter in, in regulatory requirements or questionnaires, right? Ah, okay. uh, I, think, I think that's a, a surprising source of, of information. You may not get the answers, but at least the questions that you need to be able to answer are, are part of, of those materials. Uh, there are, uh, and there are plenty of, of, of peer groups, whether it's through uh, an information security uh, organization in, in the different uh, practice areas. I think those are another... Uh, great sources of, of information or, or to make contact, right? Um, um, also, I think uh, webcasts or, 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 or um, this type of forum, like the one we're in right now, those are, yeah. uh, I think those are uh, always, you know, every time I attend one of these things, I always take a pen and paper with me because, you know, I always come out one or two uh, at a minimum bullets or, or ideas or, or things that I want to at least explore after the fact. I see. Um, those are all great ideas, I guess. Um, Maybe from a closing thought perspective, um, if you were to sum up and say, what advice would you have for people in your position in addition to what you've already mentioned? Are there, is there anything else that you would call out as advice? Well, um, yeah, advice and, and lessons learned. One thing that, that you know, I found interesting is that not every area uh, was impacted, impacted uh, in a negative way by, by the remote work from home uh, type arrangement. Uh, we, we found areas that actually were more productive working this way, right? Which I, I thought that was interesting. So, so yeah. kind of understanding, understanding, hey, what's going on here? How come uh, group A, you know, it's all based on the nature of what they do. How come group A can be very successful, potentially even more productive uh, doing what they do, whereas group B is the complete opposite, right? And, and yeah. I think that also um, for a lot of companies, that, that type of assessment, that type of investigation is leading uh, to create their re-entry strategies, right? Uh, not every, not, you know, social distancing is going to be around for a while. I think saying that everyone will go back to the office, I'm not sure if that's realistic or not, but, yeah. but at least um, 
understanding the, 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 the impact, even within your own company uh, to different groups is, is key, right? Because you may be basing a lot of your processes, like I said, re-entry strategies based on how impacted different groups are. And then obviously you, you have to understand who are the groups that are critical, client-facing, and, and you probably want to prioritize re-entry for those as well. So it's, it's a multi-dimension understanding, so to say, of impact and effectiveness so you can deal with, with what's left yet to come on, 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 on this whole remote work, social distancing environment. <laughs> Well, Manny, I want to just thank you again for the opportunity uh, to get your thoughts and ideas on a pretty challenging time for most organizations. As always, I, I just want to say we appreciate your partnership. And with that, we'll close the session. So thank you, Manny. Uh, as always, we're grateful to, to be able to speak with you. And it's nice to be able to present with you on the same stage. So thank you for that today. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. If you run a global business, you know how dependent you are on third parties. All it takes is one bad link in the supply chain, and you could run out of a key material, fall victim to a cyber attack, or wind up in the headlines for unintentionally sourcing from an unethical partner. What if you had the power to know every single organization your business is connected to, at every tier, and how much risk they pose to your operations? Introducing Interos. Interos is the first and only business relationship intelligence platform that automates discovery, detection, and response to risk in third, fourth, fifth party relationships and beyond. Interos, absolute certainty in an interconnected world. You've been listening to What Lies Beneath. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.